Kia ora koutou. Good to be together today, isn't it? Isn't it great to be together? You know, we come together in the name of Jesus. It's, it's, good when we come, it's good for you when we come together. It's good for me when we come together. It's good for us when we come together. It's good for our families when we come together. It's good for uh, the city because the church comes together, which makes it good for the nation. And if it's good for the nation, it's good for the planet. Uh, simply because we come, which is probably if we keep going, eh? good for the universe. Because the church of God comes together. And, uh, you know, it's a kingdom value that we come together. But it's a kingdom value, undeniably. And so it's great to be uh, together today. And I commend you for coming out. Hello online, great to have you. Hey, why don't you say hello to someone next to you and then we can take a seat. Thank you, team. Thank you, Lance, for leading us in commemoration for Anzac. Fantastic. Lance is really involved with our, the commemorations in our city this coming week for Anzac. So we, we commend you and well done. And it's, it's great. Privilege to know you. Hey, it's like, hey, I know that guy. He's famous. Yeah, come on. I just want to talk about what Jan said too about everyone who made youth camp happen. Um, thank you. Your investment into our young people is really significant. So if that was you, thank you very much. It's just absolutely wonderful. And just before I get into it, the last thing I want to say, if you drop your kids off this morning, we had a little bit of a problem with the kids' venue, as in the door was locked and no one could get in. <laughs> Everything's electronic, but it was someone had flicked the... Anyway, the kids are over in the hub building, which is where the kids' facility is going to be. And um, so they're in a room that's really echoey today. They may not like it, but at least we had somewhere. And um, just to let you know, uh, Caleb got a, uh, a digital um, tour of the building and the facility from the architect this week. He said it was sensational. So we're trying to get a, a video of that put together so we can show you so that you do know that we're just not talking hot air. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. It's pretty exciting. Anyway, we start a new series today called Closer. Closer. And I've been really excited about this series. I've been really, really looking forward to it because it's closer connecting with God. And I don't know about you, but there's a, there's a tension. And, and I think, you, you tell me if I'm wrong, but I think we all are in this tension together. Because you see, God is real. He's incredible. He's alive. He's personal. He's there. He's spirit, he's relational, he's knowable, he's loving, he's friendly, he's holy, he's eternal. He's all these things, yet at the same time, he's an absolute mystery. Yeah. Hey, yeah. we're on the same page? Yeah. yeah, yeah. he's an absolute mystery. And I suppose where I've landed it to reconcile it for myself is this. He is God, I am not. Yeah. He is God, I am not. I am his creation. And I will respond to him as his creation, and I will do my utmost to, to live according to his ways because he wrote the, the book uh, for his creation, and I'll do my utmost to do that. But Ephesians chapter 2, Genesis chapter 1, make it very clear that, that he is God, we are not, he created us. I think that's a pretty good position to be in if we can just land there together. However, I do know this, that from the start of the, the Bible as well, it also makes it very clear that God's original purpose has always been love. It's always been love and it's always been close relationship with us, with humanity. That's very, very clear. If I, um, 
read through the first, the first three chapters of Genesis are incredible. If you've, if you've never spent any time in there, I encourage you to just to turn the clock off and spend some time in the first, and then maybe do some study around it. The first three chapters of Genesis are absolutely spectacular. Basically, the rest of the Bible unpacks those first three chapters. And um, anyway, in Genesis 2, it shows us very clearly that, that God created man in his own image. He created us for relationship. That's why he created us. Not just to be blobs wandering around the, uh, the, the planet. He created us for relationship with him. He wanted us. He created us. He wanted you. He created you. It's an amazing thing. And then he made this spectacular garden for us to live in. Like, you know, he could have put us in the middle of a desert and said, good luck, work it out. But he didn't. He made this beautiful garden and he put us in the garden, humanity in the garden. Not only that, he filled the, the garden with trees and plants for our provision. So he makes us, he places us in a beautiful garden, like custom made, and then he custom makes all this provision for us so that we don't simply survive, we thrive in the environment that he's put us in. Amazing, eh? And then he gives us authority. He says, I want you to govern over all this. I want you to rule over it. I want you to take what I've given you and I want you to make it even better and I want you to to see that just work its way around the globe. Spectacular. It's an amazing thing. God always intended to work in and through you and I. And his intention has always been to love on us and to walk closely with us. Uh, in the process of setting up the garden and putting us in the garden, uh, if you keep going in, in Genesis 2 and 3 and 1, God breathed life into the man, into humanity. Then he placed, as I said, and then he spoke. There's a beautiful picture here developing of um, intimate relationship and interaction between us and God. It was the way it was planned to be. And so I think our series Closer is going to be amazing. Really looking forward to it. As we just kind of lean into this direction that, that we're created to walk really, really closely with Him. It seems so clear to me from these first three chapters of Genesis that God wants to be known. But not only does God want to be known, He wants to know us. He wants to know you. Put your name in there. He wants to know you. Yeah, well, Sheridan, he does. He made me. Yeah, but knowing and knowing are two different things. He wants to know you. And so I don't know about you, but I want to know God more. I'm not satisfied where I'm at. I want to know God more and I want to walk closer with God. You know, I, I read the scriptures and, and Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and, and others. They, it says in there, they walked with God. They were known because as, as ones who walked with God. I'd love to be known as one who walked with God, that my relationship with him was so close that I walked with him. And that's what Closer is really about and this um, series is really about. I realized to my horror recently that um, I'd been reading one of the most frightening scriptures in the Bible wrong. 
uh, Matthew 7.21. Let me read it to you, to, through to 23. It says, not, this is Jesus, and he says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Now, in the context that, that was written, you got it. That, that's really the key bit there. He's just done the Sermon on the Mount, done all these instructions, and then he's saying, right, go and do it. Go and do it. Anyway, um, only, only those who actually do the will of my Father will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, you never knew me. That's not what it says. I made that bit up. I caught you all out, eh? No, no shouting heretic. What it actually says, it doesn't say, it doesn't say you never knew me. What it actually says is, but I will reply, I never knew you. That's the complete opposite. I've read it all my life as, oh Lord, I need to get to know you more. I, I need to push in. I need to just know more about you. I need to know you personally closer with you. But it's not even what he said there. He said, no, no, he wants to know you. Yeah, yes, he knows you. But there's a knowing and a knowing. What it's saying is he wants us to, to, to not come kicking and screaming. He wants us to surrender fully and be known to him. Your good bits, your not-so-good bits, your secrets, the bits you want no one to know about. He, wants, he knows it, but he wants you to let him know it and be vulnerable in front of him in relationship. Lord, this is me. This is me. This is all of me. The good, the bad, the ugly, and I find normally what comes after that is, I need your help, please. I need your help. Boy, leave me in my own head too long. You've got trouble. I need your help, Lord. I need your help. So, so what, what really excites me in that passage and in, in the start of Genesis is that what's been painted is a two-way street. It's just not us. God, we're trying to somehow. It's a two-way street. He wants us. He wants to be known, and he wants to know us. It's a two, that's called a relationship. It's a, it's a two-way street, and uh, yes, I need to know him, and yes, he wants and needs to know me, and that's what this series Closer is about. It's exploring some of the ways that we can get to know God better, and we can uh, be known better. See, you and I are all wired different, aren't we? And there's some things that will just be like a hand in a glove for you and your relationship with God. But I might go, well, I don't actually get that. It doesn't work like that for me. And that's okay. That's good. But let's explore some of those things together over the weeks that it come. So that'll be, that'll be fun, eh? Great. I think it'll be fun. I think it'll be great. Um, thank you, Mia. I've got a couple of slides to show you this morning. The first one is um, I just found it and I thought I'd show you it because it really amused me. And um, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. It's worth the wait. It's worth the wait. There you go. Some of you can't see. Just let me move the, this. Look up on the screens why are you about to see it. That has absolutely nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just liked it. I just liked it. So... But let's go to the next one. Thank you, Mia. That's me. So is that. 
I had hair there too. And so is that. And so is that. It's all me. When I was a kid, I loved the water. I can't remember a time, I could be wrong, but I can't remember the time, a time, where I got out of the water and said to my parents, can we go now? I love the water. I can't remember a time hesitating getting in the water. I just love the water. I still love the water. But I just, I remember being, I just love the water. I'd swim in the water all day. And I know it was like pre-sunscreen pre, um, days too. <laughs> Help me, Jesus. Um, I have to go and see Wendy's. Anyway, um, and, and I just love the water. There's something about being in the water is just, if you're me, absolutely wonderful. It's like, it, it's, it's a place that's free and it's a place that's, um, it's just kind of you and it's almost surreal, the whole experience of being in the water. I absolutely love it, have always loved it. Let's go to the next slide, Mia. Thank you. And then as I become an adult, I still love it. It just looks a little bit different. Sorry, uh, sorry, sons, please forgive me for showing your photos without asking. Um, I was going to say that first photo was one of you, but I thought that would have been rude. So, um, you know, as I became an adult, I still love the water. It just looked a bit different. I'd, I'd stand on the back of the boat and jump in. Or I'd stand on the edge of the river or the beach and jump in. But this little arrow is really, really significant. Because that arrow would last and does last quite a long time. Where I was a kid and I'd run in without any hesitation, as an adult, I stand on the back of the boat, for example, and I go, I desperately want to be in there, but it's going to be cold. <laughs> and every excuse goes through my head why I shouldn't jump in there, fully knowing, fully knowing that when I do get in there, I'm absolutely going to love it. I'm not going to want to get out. But those photos, I think they're like uh, topo, and it's cold. So... I stand there and, and every, everything about me wants to, to get in, but I'm just procrastinating. And, but eventually, I will. And what happens when I get in? Next slide, please, me. I love it. It's my happy place. It's my happy place. It's just like Awesome. I'm in there, I'm loving it. And once I'm in there, I'm going, why did I stand on the back of the boat for so long thinking about whether I should get in or not? Sadly, a lot of us live our relationship with Jesus like that. And I've got a conviction. It's not just a good idea. It's not a thought. I've got a real significant conviction that as we start this series closer, there's going to be a stirring and a desire to action. Right. To action. Right. It's not just going to be, oh, that was a good idea. Oh, that was a good illustration. No, no. There's going to be a stirring and a desire that leads to action. Right. That leads to action. And, and the action is to know and experience God's original purpose, which is relationship. It's not the Christian badge. I don't need the Christian badge. You know? You don't need the Christian badge. You, you want the discipleship life, not the Christian badge. 
and I want the relationship, I want my relationship to go, is my relationship with God bad? No, I just want it to go deeper. And I want it more and I want to live closer. Because that's the original purpose, original intent, the original design is that I'm closer, that I'm deeper. Jen and I, as you heard, we just celebrated 31 years of marriage. It's significant, isn't it? It's a long time. And, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in awe of Jan. She's an amazing, incredible lady. She really is. And um, she's trained me well over 31 years. <laughs> she has. And, uh, look, I tell you, successful marriage, guys, I tell Jan every week without fail, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. I, I tell Jan every week how lucky she is to have me. <laughs> I say, Jan, you're so lucky to have me, and you're going to miss me when I die. <laughs> you think I'm joking? I'm not. <laughs> It all builds a great marriage, doesn't it? Eh? I'm blessed, I'm blessed. You're blessed, you're blessed. That's right, yes, so am I, so am I. But it didn't just happen, it took desire and it took effort and it took expense and it took education and emotion and engagement and um, enactment and enthusiasm and endeavor. And I don't know why I went with e-words, but I ran out there. It took a whole lot of things to be married happily and we are very happily married for 31 years. And may it be many, many more, I pray. Many more. But it hasn't come, we've worked at it. And it's the same in our relationship with Jesus. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't just that you went, Jesus, come into my heart. I hope you never even said that. I hope it was Jesus, I give you my life, because that's what he asked for. And then forget about it. You, no relationship can flourish like that. It's about walking daily. I don't tell Jesus how blessed he is to have me, by the way. <laughs> but, but every day, you know, that, that relationship, that conversation, the word, prayer, a, relation, a healthy, healthy relationship takes effort and it takes work. A.W. Tozer, a great theologian, wrote the book, The Pursuit of God, which is a wonderful book if you've never read it, not the easiest book to read language-wise, but, but um, he, he wrote this. We pursue God because, and only because, he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to the pursuit. No man can come to me, said our Lord, except the Father which hath sent me draw him. And it is by this very prevenient drawing that God takes us, sorry, takes from us every vestige of credit for the act of coming. The impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after him. In other words, desire for God is the work of God. It's the work of God. But then we've got to pick that up and throw ourselves into God for relationship with him. That's John six forty four. if you're wondering, where it says it's a father that draws us. So I'm, I'm believing for a miracle today. I'm believing for, a, when I say miracle today, I'm believing for a supernatural intervention that God will stir us. He will stir me. He will stir, stir you in our desire for him. That he will refire our passion. I'm asking, you know, the, the word says he draws us too. So I think it's a, a fair thing to ask, but it's only the, the start, isn't it? Because... I'll ask, then I've got to do something with that. 
but I'm praying, I'm believing that there will be a miraculous moment today where God will start to stir you afresh, start to stir your desire and your passion for Him. And then as the series goes on, like we'll work out some of those wiring things and talk about different things of connecting with God and things that may or may not work for you. But here's the key. Uh, this, is, this is really important. Read your Bible and pray. I know they sound like luxuries, they're not. Read your Bible and pray. The Bible's the Word of God. The, the, the Bible is the, uh, creates the culture that heaven runs on. It's the, the Word of God, the law of God, the, 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 the culture of the King yeah. of heaven. Read your Bible and pray, communicate. Communicate, two-way conversation, bit of talking, bit of listening. Maybe more listening than talking. Two ears, one mouth, all that stuff, you know. Just, just start to... To relate, it'll be good. But today, I'm believing for a touch of God to stir us. I'm believing for a touch of God. I'm believing for a miracle that God is going to stir your desire today. He's going to stir my my desire, our desire, your desire. He's going to stir it today. The starting place, I believe, is here, is now, is today. Genesis 3 is an amazing chapter and the context is the fall has taken place, humanity has rebelled and what was now no longer is, it's just been broken because we rebelled against God, we did it our own way. Genesis 3 and verse 8 says this, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. I was reading this some time ago and received really significant revelation around it. Is because if you remember back to Genesis 2, uh, the trees, the plants were given as provision. Yes? Remember that? Now we find in Genesis 3, after mankind has rebelled against God, broken the relationship, God goes looking for them. See, he's a relational God. He turns up in the garden for his walk and his talk. Very personal, very relational. Hey, guys, not like you didn't know, where have you gone? Oh, we're, we're hiding amongst the trees. Why? Well, we're afraid and we're naked. goes on and says, why are you afraid and naked? What I find here incredibly interesting is that Adam and Eve hid from relationship with God amongst and in the provision of God. God gave it to them to provide for them, to give them a great existence, to to thrive, not just strive. Now, He comes looking for them and they're hiding in the very provision that he gave them from him. Work, business, education, food, careers, relationships, all the things God's given us, the provision he's given us, the very thing he provided for our sustenance and for blessing, and for life, support, equipping, for fullness of life, has turned into their hiding place. Please tell me 
that it's different today. It's not, is it? We do exactly the same thing. Every blessing that God's given, the provision that He's given us so that we will thrive and not just survive, so often becomes the hiding place of having intimate relationship with Him. We throw ourselves into the temporal, the very things provided for our provision and advancement at the cost of pursuing the eternal. So we pursue the provision rather than the provider. But the plan of our God was always pursue the, uh, pursue the provider and I'll supply all your needs, the provision. But we've got it backwards. It's turned upside down in our crazy Western world. It's not right. Oh, I'm too busy. I haven't got time to do that. I'm, I'm, I, I haven't got time to spend time with God. I haven't got time to just put down things to get His provision. I'm too busy in the business or I'm too busy studying or I'm too busy with this or I'm too busy with that. We're, we're hiding in the provision rather than pursuing the provider. And closer is all about pursuing the provider. Pursuing the provider. It's so easy to do. We use the very things God provided to bless our lives as a tool to hide from Him. But the thing is that God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He wants to walk closely with us. He wants to walk closely with me. He wants to walk closely with, put your name in there. He wants to walk closely with you. He set the whole thing up. It's what the cross was all about. The relationship here in, in Genesis was broken. The cross was all about bringing that relationship back together so he can walk closely with us, in us. But we get caught up in all the stuff and we end up chasing the provision instead of the provider. According to Genesis chapter three, separation and distance or hiding is a symptom of sin, not a symptom of redemption. But we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We've been redeemed. Therefore, close. I wonder what's holding you back. I wonder what's holding you back from really pushing in and pursuing close personal relationship with Him. How about this? If we were to do a scale, zero, no desire. Ten, absolutely on fire for God. Zero, no desire. Ten, absolutely on fire for God. Where would you put yourself? Where would you put yourself in there? I think I put myself where I don't think I want to put myself. <laughs> if I'm real. Man, I'd just like to be to the right slightly more. So, one of the things I'm praying is, Lord, stir the desire. Stir the desire, stir the love. You know, if we all pray that, every time we think about it, multiple times a day, I wonder what the change would be in a month's time. Father, stir the desire. Stir the love. Just stir it. So it starts bubbling up bubbling out I think well, I don't think actually I have a conviction I believe strongly 
that everything I've shared today actually requires a response from us. Because I just look at the world that we're in and I think we've all been caught up with pursuit of the provision instead of the provider. Different degrees, sure. But we all have our own wrestles around that stuff. And I want to walk closer. I want to know him more. I want to be known more. So I believe that we should do three things today. If you choose, not telling you to do anything. Number one is repent. Repent literally physically means if I'm walking this way and I repent, I go, hang on a minute, I'm walking the wrong way. And I walk a different way. That's what it means. I walk a different way. I think we need to repent for not pursuing God with the desire and passion required. Number one. Number two, I think we need to stop procrastinating. There's a lot. Like Some of you be thinking now, you know, yeah, that's good. We'll do that next week. Procrastination is actually a safety mechanism as well. Can be. But we're dealing with God here. He, he's, you know, you don't have to be afraid in that sense. We need fear of God, but not afraid sense. How, how many of us are kind of just standing with our feet on the edge of the boat or the river or whatever it is? I should get in. I should get in. I know I'm going to love it when I get in. Oh, it might be a bit cold at first. In a sense, you know, it's like when you jump in, life might not be a bed of roses. You might get a bit of spiritual pushback. You might get that cold for a minute, but it'll be right. I should get in. We can procrastinate for a long time. I mean, I've stood on the back of the boat for half an hour trying to talk myself out of it or into it. It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> okay, this time, this time, three, two, one, no. Nah. <laughs> but some of it, we'd like that with our spiritual walk. Oh God, I just want to throw myself into your purposes. Three, two, oh no, I'm too busy. Actually, I've got to go to work. I need to do the study. I need to get this qualification. I need to need to sort this out. I need to sort that out. I need to, well, what about if I just throw myself into the into the presence, into the relationship with God fully 100%, knowing by faith that He promised He will take care of everything I need once I seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added. So let's just jump in. Let's just jump in. Thirdly, so that's repent. Stop procrastinating. Thirdly, commit afresh to Jesus and ask the Father to stir desire in us for a closer relationship with Him. And then act on that stirring. When He stirs it up, you know, the, we, can't, we can't just go, 
Lord, stir it up and expect life to change radically. You need to, we need to be praying. We need to get in the Word. You know, we need to be filling ourselves with, with the God stuff so, so that He's got something to work with. Oh, Lord, just change everything and I'll do nothing. No, it doesn't kind of work like that. You actually action something in the natural and the benefits are in the spiritual. Well, the benefits might be in the natural too. But we throw ourselves into Him. I pray God's even stirring you at this moment.